Gibbo time. It's Gibbo. It's Gibbs. It's Gibbo time. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Publish, Perish or Podcast, your opportunity to look behind the scenes of science to see how science behaves when no one is looking. I'm Andy Stapleton and joining me today are Cameron Schmooby Shearer. Hello. And Christopher Teabag Gibson. Namaste, BA. Namaste, Schmoopy. Hello. It's been bloody such a long time, isn't it? Mm, it feels like a long time. So, uh... We haven't recorded for a special reason, mm. uh, but it's been a long time. So, uh, first of all, how do you behave when no one's looking? Do you feel like you're like more you or less you? I, I guess I'm more me. Yeah, what do you do? Like pick Surely. your nose and stuff, and Ooh, I, I wouldn't hide a fart. <laughs> <laughs> There's no, yeah, okay. There's no discreet farting. Okay, yeah. So I like I've I've often shared offices at work. I thought you were gonna say shit. I've, I've often shit myself when I'm alone, <laughs> letting go of a fart. I'm not I'm not ashamed of myself. And so whenever you're in the big shared office, the few times where you're by yourself, uh, that, I have let off uh, the occasional loud fart. That is confidence. But then you've got to be you've got to be careful that it doesn't smell because someone could walk into a cloud of your shit. Yeah, but I can. People don't really bring that up. Or you would, of course. I do. I'd be like, it smells like shit in here. (laughs) (laughs) But most people wouldn't bring up that it smells a little bit like fart. But almost every single time where I've done a loud fart in the office, I would then all of a sudden feel like, hang on a minute. Is everybody really outside? <laughs> and I would, look, doing check. I would look to every single seat to make sure that I hadn't just done a loud fart. I think that's the only difference. Okay, um, loud farting. Yeah, uh, fart volume changes. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Gibbo, what do you do when you're alone apart from the obvious? <laughs> so I, I do talk to myself a lot and out loud a lot. Ooh. And so the kids... Those glasses are putting me off. Pee poppers. <laughs> I, Chris has got these glasses. They are... Essentially magnifying glasses that have been smushed into a single slither They're of very thin. lens. Mm. Very mm. thin. People spend hundreds of dollars on prescription glasses. Yeah. How much were they? Four ninety five. Four dollars ninety five from Harris Scarf. Four hundred and ninety five dollars. Four dollars four hundred and ninety five cents. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Can't All beat right. it. Can't right. beat it. So what do you what do you say when you're talking to yourself? Oh, who knows? Who knows what I'm <laughs> talking knows? about? Well, you just say you like know? picking up the mouse. <laughs> yeah. I'm the doing mouse. I'm doing commentary I on guess, everything I do. I guess you would Gibbo's walking into the kitchen. <laughs> Gibbo wants something to eat. <laughs> What's he gonna eat? <laughs> no, I'll probably just go through the day's events in my head and talk and about talk. what I should have said to people that I didn't say and things Ooh, like no. that. Out loud. You're a out, loser. Out loud when no one's around. Interesting. But I do it in front of the kids and occasionally the kids like Shauna will go. Dad, are you talking to us? Dad, like, no, stop talking to yourself. Just talking to myself. Yeah, yeah. So I do do it in front of people, but it's usually only the kids. Hmm. Do you know, I was thinking about this, and I don't think I'm very much different. I certainly am on camera on the farting thing. Like, mm. I think farting is something you tend to do on your own a lot. Mm. On um, average more, I yeah. definitely say that, yeah. But I think I'm just, I think I'm, I'm equally Andy other than the farting. Mm. I, f- I feel like I've got not many filters for the general world. Mm. Oh, what a horrible thought. Yeah. You're no I different mean, like, alone than you are 
all the time. I keep all of the really horrible stuff inside, but also when I'm on my own as well. Okay. I don't oh, I see. I don't okay. want to. I don't want <laughs> to reveal to myself <laughs> what I actually think. The depths of what Andy is capable <laughs> yeah, of. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's scary. Enough. That's scary. Mm. Um, and what do you think science would be doing? What would science be doing if no one was looking? Give up. Well, uh, I don't think science has got anything to be ashamed of, and I don't think it would be ashamed of anything at all. So I don't think, like yourself, I don't think there would be any difference. Wow, I am science. Mm, in that sense, I think, yeah. Cameron? I think that maybe with, so at the moment, science kind of follows these few absolute laws of nature. Yeah. So gravity, yeah. The, the universal gravity is constant, the speed of light. Yeah. I think when nobody's watching, science would just change them up a bit. Whoa, <laughs> I like whoa, it. whoa, whoa. <laughs> science is kind of a bit of a maverick when, it, when it's on its own. Like it's on its own and things are just floating and dropping at weird speeds. Yeah. And just like, oh, reversing done that. time. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. I, I wonder. So I wonder what a science fart is. So a fart is gas coming out from your body. So maybe science would be releasing its own gas I, and making a noise. I read smelt. an article about what would be the biggest sound in the universe, and it was something like an exploding supernova. Like the expansion of gas is so rapid, it would produce yeah. the loudest sound. That's what it is. That would be, that would a, be a science, science fart. fart. Yeah, absolutely. Or Big Bang. Oh, create another universe. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Why not? Absolutely. What? Good one. What? Yeah. So science is there just like another universe. Another universe. <laughs> yep. Another dropping, universe. Dropping universes yeah. all over the shop. That's why there's that like multi multiverse the bubble theater, uh, uh, theory thing. It's bubbles of science it's fart gas. Yeah, he's in the bath. He's farting. Yeah. I thought you said we were, I thought farting. you said we were rusty. Yeah, mate. This, this is, is gold. This is gold. This is Francine. We're, we're back into this it. This is antimatter quality. We're back into it, people. Well done. Well done. Ah, ah, uh, oh, ah, oh, didn't miss this. Ah, ah, ah it's, it's. Eh, <laughs> no, this is painful. It's news for the week. Mm, that was a spiky one. Or the month. Or the month. It's been a month since we recorded. Can you wow. wait a month? And peepoppers won't know that because through the power of the internet and and stuff, they they're like getting regular yeah. drips of our mm. our voices in their it's head. Been two weeks for a listener. Yeah. So. Schmoopy, oh, what, what, what have you been up to? It's got a weird feeling that something's been going on with what you lately, well, Schmoopy. What have you been up to, Schmoopy, sir? On the 15th of February, Ooh. 2019, my son was born. Oh, oh well done, so Schmoopy. Nice. We give a, a round of applause. Well done to oh, Schmoopy and Lauren. Yeah. Well done. I didn't. I didn't do a lot. I didn't do a lot on the day. Yeah. Hey, you so, were there, supportive. But Lauren, um, congratulations. Well done. On well done. Making a person come out of you. Mm. Yep. Yep. That's Making pretty life. hardcore. Making that is life. so hardcore. And yes, name. Oliver Robert Shearer. Lovely. Robert. What's the Robert? Middle name. Yeah. Yeah. I get. It. <laughs> <laughs> is it? Is it after anyone? Well, so Robert's also my grandfather's name. Oh, oh lovely. Very good, very good. So, yeah. nice. And Oliver, where's that come from? Uh, we just like the name Oliver. Great. Oliver yeah. Queen. Great. Oliver Arrow. Yep. The Arrow, mate. Oliver. The Arrow. Great what? superhero. Give us some more info, Schmoopster, on oh, so, uh, the little man. 3.55 kilograms. Ooh, what's um, that in pounds, Schmoopster? Oh, I look, I've looked it up a few times. It's around, it's one of those... Around seven pounds, I okay. think. That's good. Oh, it'll be more than that because 2.2 pounds to uh, a kilogram. How many pounds so, are you? Uh, I'm currently 220. 220 pounds. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So, so seven and a half, probably roundabout. That's a very healthy weight. That's like one of your ears. 
Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and 54 centimeters long. Wow. Oh, what so a long baby. That's, very, he's that's, a, that's he was tall. much longer than average. Yeah. But it was helped by the fact that he had a very cone-shaped head at birth. <laughs> uh, it has since settled down. And how has uh, parenthood been for you and Lauren for the last, uh, was it, month? Well, it's been a bit of an experience. An you experience, know, an right. Experience. Okay, good. So I do like scientific the scientific method yep. where you try something, if it works or it doesn't work, you you go ahead, you learn from those experiences yep. and then they build up how you react the next time. Right. Oliver doesn't seem to understand the scientific method yet. <laughs> and so if I do something to soothe him on one day, my mm. scientific method tells me that that should be useful the following day to soothe That's him. The same, yeah. But no, mm. um, every day is different. The whatever gets him to sleep one day will be the thing which sets him off crying the next day. Mm, wow. He's introducing you to chaos theory. That's, that's what he's doing. That's, uh, oh, so he's teaching me science. He's teaching yeah. you, my friend. He's teaching you. Yeah, yeah. A lot of variables that you simply can't account for. Yeah. And that's what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Do you have like a birthday present? Because it's his actual birthday. No. Yeah, that's interesting. You, you don't really I, do that. Yeah. So he was born at 11 p.m. So, mm. and then um, I don't think we really did anything until his his birthday was over before we could give what him a What party poopers? You're not oh, staying yeah. until midnight at least. You only had an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't crack a tinny then, That's I guess. That's right, not yeah. enough time, yeah. Yeah. Have you had time for anything else in this? In this? Oh, so three weeks off. I took uh, annual leave. Oh, annual took, leave, yep. uh, three weeks off. I didn't really understand the parental leave rules, but I had three weeks of annual leave to take anyway, so I took it. Right. Good on you. Got back to work uh, last week. And I wrote an email to HR saying, am I eligible for any parental leave? Yep. And I am. Great. Two weeks. So well done. I'm going to take those two weeks spread out over the next um, nice. two months. Nice. Cool. Good on you. So I'll work uh, three or four days a week for the next two months. Great. And uh, we've had a lot of chat about little grants and things that I've got in the pot to see yes. what's going on. Yep. Um, something that... Happened entirely while I was away on a long service leave. Yeah, was that a little bit of money was asked for? Yeah, and a little bit of money was gotten. Yeah, congratulations! Well and I have a six month uh, contract. Oh, good, oh, good on you, man! Good. Well done. So otherwise, I would have my contract would have expired at the end of this month. Yes, I remember. Yes, yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Well, congratulations. Oh, that's great. Well done, man. Well done. So, and uh, and you've still got a few. Thumbs, fingers in pies for other stuff. Irons right? in the yes. fire. Irons yep. in the fire. So the big ones, the future fellowship, yep. the four years. Yep. Uh, I expect to hear back soon the mm. first round of comments. Mm. Yes. And then I'll hear back about whether I get it or not around the time that my new contract ends. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very Great. Good. Good. Good, good, good. luck, Smoopster. All right. I'll go. Uh, do you remember I was talking last time about the Codeless Apps Workshop? It was on a. It was about bubble.is. Bubble.is. That's right. I can't remember any of it. Oh, I'm so, sure you can. <laughs> and you were gonna run a workshop telling people how to use it. Yeah. So it was like an introduction yeah. workshop of how to test ideas and you know you build your own software without writing code. And at the time, you didn't have anyone yet who had signed up to it. Yeah. And you were gonna cancel if you didn't get five. Yeah. How many people signed up for it? Zero. Uh, yeah, oh, bummer. Yeah. Mm. So I was speaking to someone, and I I spent about uh, 
about $150 on ads to try to push people in the Adelaide area okay. right, like towards the workshops or the Eventbrite thing. I taught myself how to uh, and did a course on direct response copywriting, which is that kind of like um, you read it, it takes you on an emotional journey and then it encourages you to purchase at the end. It's kind of what, um, you know how the, uh, what's it, the shopping channels? You know how they've got a formula where there's like a problem and a gray man and he's like, oh, I'm dropping all the stuff. And it's like, but with the super picker up, you could... so anyway, <laughs> so there's this thing called direct response copywriting, which is what that is essentially like. And there's a formula to it and you learn it and it can encourage people to sell, uh, to buy what you're selling. Um, but none of it worked. Yeah. None of it mm. worked. And I was sat with a mentor and he was like, how did it go? I said, oh, no one turned up and no one bought a ticket and whatever. And he said, look, it's all about timing. The Adelaide market isn't ready for it. Because that's the thing. This is a big thing in the States. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like in the States, codeless programming is a big thing. Whereas Adelaide is always about five to 10 years behind. So look, bad timing, I think, on my part. Does, so, it, does it have to be Adelaide based? Could you do like a virtual oh, workshop? Could, oh, yeah, absolutely. So that's another mm. option is just like, it, it, it's whether or not I want to produce like, I want to, to produce videos to sell. Mm. That would be another way, but there's already companies doing that and they do it really well. Mm. So I was hoping to get a local base, but hey, look, run an, I ran an experiment. It cost mm-hmm. me probably about two or three days worth of like learning and creating the thing. About $150 to test and push people towards the site and no one bought. Mm. There we are, test mm. over. I'll try again maybe, I don't know, in six months, in a year and yeah. see if, it, if the market's ready, if it's matured a bit, but... So you that didn't, happened. You didn't have a long time, did you, for people to buy tickets? And uh, I never saw, like, I don't know how you advertise it, but I never saw this No, so thing. I put it on LinkedIn. I'm, I've removed myself from Facebook, so I'm no longer on Facebook. Twitter, uh, so it was LinkedIn, Twitter, and I paid for Google AdWords, so I ran a, a, a campaign. So Google AdWords, so if I typed in, what, codeless programming or something? Yeah, it, that's it might right. come up? So any, um, I think I targeted questions like, um, I want to build an app and how much do apps cost? And uh, I want to build an app, I, you know, like all mm. of those things. Mm-hmm. And I was promoted like through the Think Lab and the New Venture Institute and Adelaide Uni and all sorts. But hey, look, no one, no one bought, tested the market, market said no, move on. So that's what happened. Mm. Um, what else? There's another thing I was going to say that isn't on my thing. That's it. I'm testing another idea. Uh, good. <laughs> good. I'm, 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 I'm happy You're for happy you, for Andy. Me? Yeah. Good. Um, so I was looking at all of the things people have been approaching me for, and it's been speaking, it's been workshops, and these are things that I've come across. I haven't promoted. I, I don't say, hey, I do workshops. Mm-hmm. I haven't said, hey, I'm a, I'm a speaker. But people have been approaching me to do those things. So I was speaking to someone, and they said, well, why not just offer that? Yep. And also people have been coming to me saying, hey, can you help me come up with a strategy for LinkedIn? Because that seems to be working for you. And also, um, could you help me get my professional branding sorted? Because that's something I don't have time for. I don't really know how to do it. So I've started a consultancy. There you go. Ta-da. Brilliant. Yeah. What's it called? It's just Andrew Stapleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll come up with Look, some ideas. At the for moment, you. it's just a personal what kind about, of thing. Uh, consulting.science. Consulting.science. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Um, but I've got a website that's kind of formed 
uh, I started building it at the moment. It's just it's just a personal website, andrewstapleton.com.au. Um, Andrew. Andrew. Ooh. Because, mate, I'm a consultant now, so I, got, I can't be Andy. <laughs> mm. I can't be fun time Andy. i got to be serious dude Andrew. Ooh. Um, and, yeah, so, so... What's the difference? So how do I know that you're Andrew and when do I know that you're Andy? Is it a collar? Is it whatever if you're I'm wearing? wearing a collar, it's Andrew. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's it. That's it. <laughs> All right, we have to remember that. And if I introduce myself, if, if I walk in the room and go... Hello, Cameron. That's Andrew speaking. Okay. Ooh. But if I walk in and be like, all right, man, that's Andy, right? <laughs> Easy. Easy. Uh, so that's it. So um, I've already started trialing offerings and it seems to be working. Like I met up with a lady, um, Tiffany, and she was like, can you help me do the thing? I was like, yeah, it's going to cost this much. She was like, yeah, great. Um, and I've been helping Gibbo with his uh, professional branding. Yep. Okay. Go to andrewstapleton.com.au and hopefully when this podcast is out, which is, no, fuck, that, that, this isn't going to work because You've I need like to get it done. I've got like, yeah, five days. Um, <laughs> anyway, go there because whatever you see is whatever I've been able to do in that time. Um, or it might just be a, a blank page. What happens when nothing's on a website? It goes to a server error thing or it goes like, this is this site, this error or this... You can this have a little symbol, can't you? Like this is on the construction and yeah, there's some you builders can. You digging can put a hole. landing page, which can is... Can you do that? Yeah. yeah. Got five days to work out how to do that. Fuck yeah. I can do it. I we have to come it. up with another name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and last thing, do you remember Airgeed? Yes. Yeah. Well, he is one of the people that got in contact with me and was like, hey, let's catch up. Mm-hmm. So I met up with him on Skype. Okay. First oh, wow. question. How the hell do you pronounce Airgeed? <laughs> is it like that? No. Egged. Oh. No. Egged. No. Egged. No. Egged. No. No. AI regret. So it's Argide because mm-hmm. it's a Celtic name for silver. Ooh. Oh, okay. Very good. Yeah. Oh, so like that's it. where it comes Argide. from. Argide. So now Argide. we know. So now we know. Oh, he is almost our number one uh, contributor yeah come on paul g paul g <laughs> used to be up there right paul, paul, paul heard versus, from paul g no. for a while yeah. paul g versus our guide you reminded me of something go on a bit of baby bit of baby chat because i got That's nothing right. else to add baby chat <laughs> baby chat when you mentioned that could be a new segment yeah when oliver was first born the skin on his hands and feet was so soft they were the softest things <gasps> i'd no, felt. I, I don't think so. Right? So, newborn baby, 30 seconds out of the womb, never touched anything. You were the first thing to have graced his feet and hands. I was. Mm. Softer than Chris's hands. So, Chris's Whoa. hands, famously soft. His elbow, equally soft. I think my elbow skin is far softer uh, than anything right? <laughs> in the universe. Now, one month old, Oliver's hands and feet are coarser than Chris's hands and elbows. Really? Yeah. So, so it went from the softest thing on the known in the known universe. Well, now they're the second softest thing. Yeah. But they're not as soft as can I touch your hand quickly? Mm. <laughs> not as soft as Chris's hands. Wow. The elbows. The elbows are incredible. <laughs> near elbow. as soft as the elbows. The elbows are unbelievable. What? People are shocked so, at how soft they are. And Oliver hasn't had a hard life. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't had him down the coal mine or digging ditches. So four weeks of regular baby life 
uh, has led him to coarsen his hands up more so than Chris's much. lifetime. Chris, so, what have you been doing, <laughs> so mate? So I have been working less hard <laughs> than a newborn baby. Than a newborn baby. Imagine that. I've dug less ditches than a newborn baby. Take that. Take that hard work. <laughs> what are you about to, Gibbo? Oh, well, I've been, I guess I've done a few things. Um, let me have a quick look here. News. All right. This podcast coming out at you is number 78. Yeah. 78 Jesus. divided by three is 26. Yeah. How many fortnights in a oh. year? 26. What? So I did that around the wrong way. <laughs> What's 78 divided by 26? Three. Three years. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone noticed what I did then. Yeah, <laughs> three years. This is wow. the this is the third year anniversary of the podcast. Oh my god! Happy Peapot birthday, everyone! So that means what's going to be the date when this comes out? Uh, uh, it'll be Andy, March something or other. Mon- uh, Monday. Yeah. Yeah, March twenty something. Twenty five. So I'm not Whoa. saying that, you know, you know, but this is when it this came out, Mar- it- late Shit. March. Incredible, eh? Three years. It is incredible. Who'd have thunk it? There you go. Well. I had us. I had us down for, I don't know, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Well, double Incredible. that. Double, double that. And we've barely uh, retread old ground. Yeah, yeah. barely, barely, <laughs> barely. <laughs> we, and we. We have not missed a single upload. That's incredible. That's incredible. I predicted. I mean, I didn't predict one and a half. I predicted about twenty-five years. Because once you're in, you're in. Mm, I don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. So that wasn't all my news. Lovely. <laughs> uh, so, yes, working on more BA math, with more branding. More math questions for us? No more maths <laughs> questions. No, no more maths questions. Reverse maths for us. Um, was on the organising committee for a, a conference slash meeting at Flinders, the Fringe Festival Lectures, which was started by Justin Chalker. Oh, nice. Chalky. Yeah, Chalky. They were on the 1st of, of March. Very good. What, what, um, what were they? They were uh, a series of talks. We had two invited speakers, uh, one from La Trobe Uni and one Ooh. from Uni S- UNSW. And then okay. students from um, Flinders, UniSA, and University of Adelaide. Mm. And then at one o'clock, it was beer and pizza. So it was just a single day. That's All great. Right. Still sounds like a good one to be on your Very good. as a organising uh, committee. It, it, I think it shows some leadership. Some leadership. I mean, Justin did the vast majority of it. And thank you, Justin, for all the effort you put in. Thanks, Chalky. Ran into regular pea popper, Dolce Ombre, Martin Sweetman. Hello, Dolce oh, Ombre. Yeah, he was there. Very good. Guest now, uh, guest host. Yeah. Yes. On two occasions, Martin Sweetman. Yeah. Has old Sweetsy been on a, a couple of times, has he? Oh, I think he's wow. been on twice. Good on him. Good on him. Um, is he really? Don't remember. Great. We'll have to look that up. There we go. <laughs> so, uh, looks like I'm also going to be on the organising committee for a conference. I have to bring this closer to my face so I can see it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Closer? Closer, I know. Away. I know. These are literally magnifying glasses I'm wearing, people. So, anything beyond uh, a few centimetres is is blurry. I may, might as well not be wearing them. Really. <laughs> um, the conference is IMC 2021. Oh, catchy. International Microscopy Conference. I've been to a couple of these. Uh, one was in Las Vegas in 2003 where I Whoa. met the great John Sader for the first time. That Thank you. Life-changing conference. Life-changing. And one was in Montpellier in France in 2006. You guys been to Montpellier? Mon- I have, actually. Yeah, I yeah. have. But yeah. I like to call it Montpellier. Yeah, have you been there? Montpellier, yeah. You have? Yeah. Oh, it's not that great, really. <laughs> plenty of other places. No, I haven't. Than, I haven't yeah. been there. Oh, good. It's amazing. <laughs> amazing. Amazing place. When's it going to be? Uh, 2021. 
So we've got a couple oh, of years. Oh, okay. You got okay. So not having a city locked in is okay when that's you're two, okay at this two stage. Years out. That's okay at this stage. But we'll keep you updated on on what's going on there. Right. What's going on? So um, we had to ha- keep the podcast going until twenty twenty one. IMC twenty twenty one. No choice. It has to happen. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, uh, will they sponsor the podcast? Get, uh, get I'm going to I'm going to name drop and do my best for that to happen. Yeah. I will be on the organizing committee, so I assume I'll have some say in something. Mm, I doubt it. Yeah, me too. Anyway. It does show leadership, though. There you go. It does. And that's my news. That's it, guys. Boom. Boom. Guess what? Oh, no. Have we got got something? We've got feedback from listeners. Feedback from listeners. Feedback from listeners. Oh, give her. It wasn't as high as I was expecting. Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm out of practice. I'm out of practice. No, but I like that because you did, you put a bit more twang on the final R. Yeah. Thank you. Feedback from listeners. When I go too high, it's hard to understand what I'm actually saying. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, So, first of all, um, our guide. Our guide. Our guide. Number one contributor. Number one contributor. Absolutely. Our guide. Thank you so much. Um, Whoa, 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 whoa. Possible number one contributor. Hey, poor G. Step it up, mate. (laughs) Step it up. Time to bring out the big guns. Um, uh, So last time we were talking about updating papers and how that you uh, eventually, maybe if you change something in a paper, that kind of version control could be passed up to the papers that cited it. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, And he was mm -hmm, saying, well, mm -hmm, guys, mm -hmm. this already exists. So version control for software is something that happens at the moment. So our guide said, updating papers post-publication and cascading the updates through its citations, or at least flagging which versions of a paper are being cited. This sound, uh, yeah, cited. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? It, a little bit strangely. Cited, cited. We know, we know what you're talking about. Cited. Cited. This, this sounds exactly like version control and package interface management in the IT space. The good news is, is that there are plenty of tools out there that will do exactly what you suggested. Oh, okay. Did you talk to him on Skype? About I did this? about that. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, look, there's tools out there, and um, he was saying that there's a few. The Malaria Foundation uses GitHub and this versioning control yeah. to kind of keep track of their data and stuff like that. But it's not widely, widely adopted. Mm. Mm. I think that it would be. Something that's easier, it would be difficult to implement in like our current journal world. Yeah. Uh, like we have mostly moved away from the printed journal world where it would be impossible. Yeah. But with the journals, how they kind of have this PDF uploaded and you need to have something drastic happen for an alteration of the PDF. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I think that version control will be difficult. Yeah. If we evolve to where I want to be, where everyone like, has a Wikipedia page and it's type like, thing, boop, 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 boop. Yeah. then it would you it would it is really set up like how an IT software package like management would be yeah, would be yeah. managed. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think I I think it's brilliant and we should do it, but I don't know how we could implement it without and also, completely changing the yeah, well, you've got to it's take on world. some giants. You've got to take on the publishing companies that would stand to lose their entire business model yeah. under that system. Mm. Mm. Shit. Not much of an incentive for them to do no. it. No. And we also got an email. Oh. says, hi, love the podcast. Good start. Good start. <laughs> this is how we like emails to start. <laughs> is this a compliment sandwich that we're about to receive? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I love compliments. Uh, so, uh, I had a comment about uh, episode 77. 
I'm in a clinical psychology PhD program in the US and we have to have at least one paper published before we're permitted to leave for our internship. Um, our program typically lets us format our dissertation as three aims and then they turn them into papers um, and an introduction and discussion. Uh, and the introduction is often published as a review paper. So many of us, uh, many of the scientists apply for pre-doctoral funding and it's not uncommon for them to critique publication rates. Mm -hmm. So in this episode, I think we were talking about um, publishing as you go. We were talking about publishing as you go and really in the idea of how many papers would should a PhD student have or why it's good for a PhD student to have as many papers as possible. Yeah. And so in this sort of like clinical psychology world in the US, it says uh, I had three, two papers and at the end of my third year, the, they said that the publication rate was slightly lower than they'd expect. So, but this could be due to the nature of the programs. Most of our labs already have ongoing projects or existing data sets that they use to publish. So they're not about collecting data um, hmm. in the same way that say we are with, with chemistry and, and creating okay. that samples and that sort of stuff. My dissertation is based off data that was already collected when I arrived. So I collected some when I started, but not all of it. Uh, and that is from Heather. Thanks, Heather. In the Thanks, US. Heather. I yes. didn't have two papers at the end of my PhD. Yeah. Well, you would have been uh, graded badly, wouldn't you? Yeah. They wouldn't allow me to go do my internship. All mine was published by someone else after I left. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> That's kind of like, then like how she started then with um, you start off with other people's data. So you kind of get this leg up to get going. That's true. Yeah. Someone used, hang on. I'm like <laughs> outraged now. Someone used my hard earned data to get a publication. Yeah. How mm. dare they? But then the What's idea that? is that it always, it just continues on. So the next person, the next person. It's I this, didn't get it. Where did my data come from when I well, started? Well, that's, I'd like, I'd like to know how long, how new, oh, that's how true. do new groups start when your each PhD student is expected to have such a high publication rate. It would yeah. be very difficult for me to start a new group and have this person, my first PhD student, get three publications in yeah, two years. Yeah, because they got nothing to snowball. Yeah. Mm, absolutely. So how do, you get, how do you get that snowball rolling? That's and a good question. Maybe in the system, obviously we don't have no idea about the medical yeah. research system. Yeah. Maybe it's very difficult to get started or you've got to be a – a high flyer to start off with, or you just inherit a group. Yeah. Heather, can you help us out with that question? Yeah, Heather, let us know. We'd love to know. Yeah. Um, and I don't like the idea of um, some group saying that a public a publication number is what you need to achieve. Yeah, excellence. so this is the NIH. So I, I don't know what that stands for. But yeah, to have yeah. those people just say, well, this is slightly lower than we'd expect. Because you don't, like there's, other circumstances that could stop someone from publishing mm. or if they've gotten data from someone else and they realize that they haven't collected the data correctly. Yeah. Um, what if they're two exceptional papers? Well, exactly. Rather yeah. than they three be... ordinary papers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that could be that's really, another problem, really, yeah. splitting papers up just to get a greater number. Absolutely. Great to hear. And uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks, thanks for the that. feedback, yeah. Yep. Send shit to us. We love it. Yeah. What's your email address, Eddie? Uh, it's stapleton.aj at gmail.com. All right. So sometimes you're Andrew, sometimes you're Andy, oh. and sometimes you're AJ. AJ. <laughs> no, no, I've AJ. never met AJ. Oh, I've never met he's going to be AJ for a while now. <laughs> you don't want to meet AJ. Go AJ. <laughs> Why not? AJ, 
We'll fucking rock your world. Oh, party. Yeah. Party, man. Is AJ party animal? fucking rock. Yeah. It's time for... Topic of the day. Topic of the day. Topic of the day. Oh. oh. Went down at the end. Oh, actually, yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm Come on, mate. Oh. <laughs> doing something else. I forgot to do the... Yeah. time. Fatherhood. It is the first time we've not been able to say... That's our best ever. Because yeah. it wasn't. Fatherhood. Fatherhood does this to you. we got to, we got to <sighs> cut him some slack, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah. Do we cut you're, him some slack? sleep deprived. Doing the yas my favourite part. Mm. Well, wow, you love that's, that's the thing. And you'll notice the last one, the last topic of the day, I auto-tuned our voices. No, I didn't notice they that at all. They are pitch perfect. Really? Yeah. Uh, just do better next time, please. Yeah, come that's on, right. Yeah. All right. The topic for the day is reinvigorating research integrity and rigor. And it's all been brought about by our man, Australia's chief scientist, Alan Finkel. Alan Finkel. That's the Alan Finkel, Gibbo. Yep. That jumped onto a ferry or blasé and no one listened to his talk. A full of scientists made a special (laughs) stop to pick up the old Finkmeister (laughs) standing on the dock with his suitcase, I recall. I've got photos of this. Um, and we picked him up on his own. And there you go. Yeah, he's famous. And he wrote an amazing article. Shmoopy, tell us about it. It's published in Nature. Oh. He's got another Nature article. Is it an opinion piece? I'd take it. Uh, it comes <laughs> yeah. in under world view. So oh. I guess that means it's an opinion Quite worldly. Piece. I mean, no, it means he's worldly. He's old I mean, enough There to are be some opinions in there, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's, you know, so he has a, a charter as Australia's chief scientist to really just improve the quality of science output from Australia. And also, yeah. he says in this article of the world, I don't know how much, how much sway he has. Australia's <laughs> chief scientist, he can do that. That's why he's so busy. He's walking around to every scientist in the world. This is what happens going. when a ferry full of people stops <laughs> to pick you up. You start thinking you can change the world. <laughs> Never ends. Anyway. Back to you, Schmoops. So this article was released on the 19th of February in yep. Nature. February. Or it's, uh, four days after the birth four, of Oliver. Four days uh, AO. <laughs> AO. Very good. After Oliver, that's what that means. Uh, and so it's all about really trying to uh, making a drive towards research quality over research quantity. Mm. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of starts with this premise that um, metrics for career progression at the moment really focus on favoring quantity um, and people's then goal in order to progress their careers, they are being uh, forced to publish more and more papers, which has then really resulted in people publishing irreproducible papers and then these papers would then overhype their own results. Mm. So say if you show something once, you, you send it to wherever it gets published, then it goes out into the news and then later on uh, a highly picked up news article gets found that it can't be reproduced and yeah. then the whole perception of science in the whole community goes down. Yeah. The replication crisis. Yeah. And this is the problem he's trying to fix and he has a few ways where he thinks he uh, can go towards getting these things fixed. Mm. And his number one thing that he wants changed is to abandon the assumption that an oppressed that a passive apprentice system works for PhD students. Ooh, what's that mean? Yeah. What's that mean? So a passive apprentice would be uh, 
you join my group as a PhD student, Chris. Okay. I give you a project. Thank you. Go for it. And I say, go for it. All right. Mm. No worries. I can do that. (laughs) What's the project, Cameron? Give it to me. (laughs) Uh, So you are going to create gold clusters and then use them to create hydrogen. That sounds too hard. I don't care. <laughs> so, yeah, no, thank you. Give me something All easy. Right. I'll see you in a month. All right. No worries. Yeah, I mean, so first point is like, what was it called? Apprenticeship, passive apprenticeship. Passive apprentice system. <laughs> yeah. So it's like a laissez-faire style PhD supervisor. So you're that? not supervising at all. You're just saying, here's a topic, see in three years. Yeah. 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 In between, throw me a bunch of papers. And, yeah. you know, obviously that's incredibly supervisor dependent because we, I think we all know of micromanagers. Mm-hmm. More like a learn on the job than a I teach you and then you sure. go do. It's kind of, mm. yeah. yeah. There is some separation between apprenticeship and learning, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so he said that even he went, when he when he did his PhD, he had a supervisor who would throw students in the deep end, mm. um, but they would then he would then ensure there was a support network available to prevent students from sinking. Mm. So when he went through his supervisor, he said it was quite a good one, and so he threw him in the deep end. But there was other students around or technical staff around to help them out to to stop them from sinking. And I think that's actually what happened to me. Right. I think that my PhD supervisor was in a similar way to that, where he had. The general idea for a topic, he said, "Go for it." And then, whenever I was, you know, uh, struggling in the mud, he would provide. He would say, "Why don't you talk to this person? Why don't you talk to that person?" Mm. Um, as a as a way to support me out of that deep end. Yeah, the chat to give Yeah, chat to give Yeah, mm. and you know, like I, I think you look at a traditional setup, and that's what postdocs are for. Yeah, they're an, they're a really important part of that. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I think we've talked about this before, but where the system where an academic gets funding from a department to have an assistant, so to speak. And mm-hmm. it's that assistant, whether it be a postdoc or, you know, senior lecturer underneath, but that would be the, this kind of safety net, like someone that um, you can go to that does have the skills that can genuinely solve your problem. Um, but that is becoming rarer and rarer because there's less money yes. to support less postdocs. So you have literally got PhD students on their own trying their best yeah mm. and so this is so alan finkel has seen that this is a problem Great. and that it's not really w- working now mm. so he says now mentors just don't have the time to be providing this support structure and that the support should be not group based but it should be institutional support mm. um, and so one of his uh, suggestions was that um, each institution so the university that you're doing a phd at should provide formal training on research integrity and research data management. That sounds boring. But wouldn't it be, but so research, but it's important. It's so important, but oh my <laughs> God, I don't want to sit. It has to not be delivered in a lecture because universities are all like this. They're like, okay, everyone, everyone come into a big old room. Here's yeah. some, this is how you do it. Like it needs but to how, be. But how can it, what they want, you want, you want universities to I employ you. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, but I want, I want, I want tools that that mean that I don't have, like that it makes it easier. Like mm-hmm. train me to use a tool which then allows me to version my software or version my, you know what I mean? Like yes, sitting people down, telling them this is the way it's done, and not providing any support beyond that, mm-hmm. I think is just 
it's what they will do. Yes. It's what universities will do. But and that's it's not how, the way to do it. That's how institutions do things. I know. But, uh, and I, and but, Alan Finkel uh, wants at the end that people get di- like di- certificates, diplomas or whatever saying that they have passed research integrity and research data management courses. Boring. But when you run I don't into know trouble. I'm so negative about it. It's a great thing. Well, it should happen. It's, yeah, but uh, like you're saying, I don't quite see how it will work. And as you say, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't say boring but <laughs> it doesn't sound fun no and institutionalized things like every institutionalized talk i went to on like scientific writing other things like that generally they weren't for me because mm. they have to write it for such a general audience that as a chemistry phd student most of what was being said wasn't relevant to me mm. Because they would talk about how you set up an argument and, and, and mm, all these like other for things. for humanities, which, for yeah. example. So does he say anything about like the actual technical support? Like if you're an institution where you can't get much technical support on doing your experiments, setting up experiments and things like that, where does the institution come in there? So he hasn't mentioned that in this uh, very okay. small um, article that he put onto Nature. Well, think, think, <laughs> come master. On, think master. You need to up your game, my friend. <laughs> when I did my PhD, I learned research integrity and data management skills from other people in the lab mm-hmm. or for data management, I just kind of just keep trying programs until I liked one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there were often, there are, and there still are often, the university will buy a program like, uh, what's the lab, lab archives, I think might be a big yeah. one at the moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they run a course on how to use it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, like I don't use them. Mm. But I, like I'm seeing with every student then that I've had, throughout the years have had their own um, system little system and, and yeah. sometimes it works for them. Other times they have terrible systems. Yeah. You can't tell what data they've saved or what they've done yeah. um, and it doesn't matter how many times I've told them or if they did do a institutional course on data management, I doubt that would change their method yeah. of just lab- naming things one, two, three or there was one, one person I did honours with had a folder called Bitchin. Uh, <laughs> which I think he put his good data in. Yeah, yeah, that's right. This is the stuff that's going in the thesis. Um, so one of one of the one of the academics oh, at Flinders, she said, and I I, I completely agree with this, um, is that remember that this data, that if you're funded by a grant, is public data. So it should be completely accessible. Mm-hmm. And so having a systemized uh, data management thing that means that anyone can go in, for, you can go into any university's data system and figure out what they've done, how they've done it, where it was collected, all that sort of stuff, um, I think is absolutely reasonable for people who are like the, the public who are funding research to expect. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it's locked behind some sort of weird filing code system. That is or is becoming standard policy. With, yeah. with, so with all the microscopy instruments I manage, I have to have a copy of all the data now and I have to keep, keep it for quite a while. Yeah, and you have to make that public, publicly available if people... If people it. really want to get access to it or you have these things I've heard of like the ARC might want to do sort of an audit of some yeah. data and, and you have to keep it, keep it there. I'm not sure how many years, but we just keep it as long as we can. Yeah, so what I, I really feel like the Internet of Things will help this. Imagine that like IoT devices, so Internet of Thing chips that go onto every single piece of equipment, right? 
then I don't know, it tracks you, tracks this vial, tracks whatever it is, but it's all tracked by satellites and Wi-Fi or whatever. I don't know. I, I don't understand it. Hmm. But each time you run an experiment, this Internet of Things sensor lodges the temperature you did it under, the date if there was a problem with the machine, if if you would need went to the toilet or do you know what I mean? Like yes, that then becomes quite systemizable because it's just essentially a data logger that goes along with each experiment and each thing. Um, and when I was in Melbourne, there was a guy talking about this, how hmm. software companies or hardware companies are now using Internet of Things um, devices to connect yeah, their IR machine, their infrared spectrometer or whatever it is, so that it tracks all those little tiny things together as wow. one. Hmm. And then they were talking about blockchain as a like a permanent record of when you did it, how you did it, that's completely irrefutable because it's locked in on a distributed ledger. Mm-hmm. Whoa. Yeah. But how does it know how I made the sample that I put into the exactly. machine? Exactly, yeah. No, I mean, that, that's the thing, absolutely. And I ah, think... Cameras everywhere. Cam- yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it's well, uh, yeah, you talk about It's your that. totalitarian state, Yeah, Andy. but Amazon have got that shop that... that they don't have any barcodes or anything on. Essentially, you go in, fill up your basket, a load of cameras, watch what you put in the basket. And as you walk out of the store, it charges <laughs> your credit card yeah. for everything that's in your basket. Whoa. So there's, there's kind of, you know, there's, there's ways then that maybe cameras are watching your bench and going, ah, oh, okay, he's done this, he's done this, done this. Five milligrams of uh, sodium fluoride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that would be cool. I'd like that actually. You just then just do experiments, and you would just have this like yeah. record of what you've done. Well, mm. and it would know like uh, fart, no one around. Yeah, that's oh. right. <laughs> oh, that could be dangerous. This one, yeah, methane this, expulsion. This experiment worked because it was exposed to a small amount of poo. <laughs> there you go. Remember those experiments you can never reproduce. Yeah, you'll have all why. the variables accounted exactly. for. Exactly. There you exactly. go. There you why go. does it only work when there's no one else in the lab? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> now, more about, uh, so we're moving on from data now. Yeah. The next point uh, of Finkel's uh, search for quality would be that institutions are would be required to train PhD supervisors in mentorship, leadership roles, and in how to create a healthy research culture. Yes. So that, I mean, that sounds good. Now, Preach how do you it. do that in a non-boring way that's not just lectures? Boring. I don't know. How do you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you don't know? I thought you were going to have an answer for me. No, um, no, no. There's no, unfortunately, there's no answers well, on. Well, you did a bloody course. They make you do oh, online yeah. courses, yeah. don't they? Yeah. How do you do it so well, the supervisors... Then I've done it. Yeah. Oh, you've done it. Finkel. So, it's happening, mate. So how do you no. do it so the supervisors will take on the information and implement it and not see it as a boring task. They just want to get out of the way. So I, I think the only way to would do be, it? it's like you need like proper feedback from students and then feedback from students, critical <laughs> analyses from yeah. other faculty members yeah. in the staff where they're not just saying, you're doing a good job or I'm not going to say anything to you. So you don't say anything about me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You need people to properly critically analyze each other's performance just to show where they're falling back. Because mm. maybe I don't realize that I'm grumpy all the time or mm. I don't spend enough time with my students. Mm. But those conversations are hard to have and I don't like having them. I don't think I've ever told someone they're not doing a good job. Mm. So not, it, to, not to their face anyway. Yeah, that's right. I tell everyone else. Everyone else <laughs> but them knows what I think about them. Um, 
<laughs> it comes like for me it comes down to if you could link it to funding somehow you've so got to have each, an incentive yeah absolutely an incentive so let's say that like gibbo cameron you're in the same department you both get five grand a year for your group culture happiness and culture okay. yeah and but what i'll do is if if all of a sudden gibbo you start slipping and your group gets unhappy and your feedback is rubbish i'm going to siphon that money to where the where the culture is better mm-hmm. would that mm-hmm. make you stay on top of things culture grants culture grants yeah, yeah. definitely definitely funding yeah. funding's a very good incentive yeah, yeah right. absolutely so um it does suggest some kind of metric for how good a supervisor would be because we yeah. all need metrics so it's not <laughs> going to be based upon like student turnover how many students mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. graduate yeah. or how their average time but it should be based upon impact statements about the projects and career progression of at least two students, ideally um, one of each gender. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. That, that's interesting because if you were to get students to give feedback and you based it entirely on their written statements, then you end up in a system where you'll game it because you'll just do absolutely everything to keep the students happy, which is good for them. But then from the student's perspective is, well, you know, I'm going to game my supervisor. You mean the power balance will shift? The power balance will shift too much. But if you're following people's careers, then if you've been a good supervisor, they should do well. Is that fair? Is that fair? Unless you've got an exceptionally good student who doesn't matter how how bad you are as a supervisor. I tend to – I'm not sure how many people I've ever seen who have been like – an ordinary student at the beginning and then turned into an amazing student but at the end because of how good their supervisor is. Mm. Maybe some of Justin Chalker's students might be the ones who would go from a very lazy person to a very science-keen person. Mm-hmm. But all the good students I've ever had started as good students. Yeah, mm. right. Mm. So mm. Maybe that's fair. Yeah. Maybe they got better. <laughs> I hope they got better. Yeah, through your mentorship and leadering. leadering? It was always obvious that they mentoring were going to be good students. But anyway, so the idea that um, someone is truly judged on how good they are at a leader, I think is very I like important. It. Yeah. Uh, so the next thing is if all are based upon um, we need to stop counting papers or, or other metrics. So instead of having number of papers, so say for your... Uh, next promotion, Chris. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It should be based upon a, a rule of five. So I think we mentioned this at one of other another time we talked about one of Finkel's talks. So this is instead of listing all of your papers, you list your best five papers from the last five years, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. they are accompanied by a paragraph, two paragraphs describing the real world impact and what you did in these papers. Yeah, oh, interesting. So. I can't cheese onto a nature paper, put that into a list. And then all of a sudden have, you're a superstar. And Yeah, and have that have the same impact as where I'm a first author paper mm. in a lower ranked journal. Mm. So how, how, do you, how do you rank the impact of a publication? So hopefully you would, you would rank the impact on the publication, say, by number of sites. Uh, the, the actual, you describe the actual development or you say... Um, what real world application this has had? So the 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 real world impact I always use is that the something I did is now in every single submarine in Australia's submarine fleet. Mm-hmm. So that's a real world impact. Mm-hmm. Nothing else I've done has anything like that. 
Um, <laughs> but that's yeah, that that's the kind of thing we're looking for. That, that's yeah, it. But that, also, that's I something think... that can't be gamed either. Citations can be gamed. Yeah, uh, you, know, you can inflate citations of papers as well. It it comes down to marketing and selling at that point, right? Because you may not have anything that's as as objectively um, uh, impactful as that. But what you can say about your current work is that should this current work be blah, we will transform the the energy system or the mm-hmm. the public trans or the, the transport system through a, a sustainable hydrogen economy or whatever it is, right? So I think instead of I think that's what they're looking for, right? Is like if uh, this work will help contribute to a pollution-free, sustainable yeah. future, whatever it is. Um, so I, you know, I don't think that's such a bad thing because it's going to teach scientists how to turn even the most niche of subjects into a story or a thing uh, that's marketed mm. for a product or to get. I, I think that's that's. I think it's definitely a step in the right direction, yeah. but it's still something that can be gamed a bit. I think we could yeah. end up with people just working out very good techniques of making ordinary research sound great. Well, but that's already that's already happening. But yeah, but that might get better if yeah, it becomes. They might well, actually they not, perfect that. They will get better if it becomes more important. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. hopefully, but, the, but the less snake oily your yeah, I mean, research, the less you need to sell the snake oil. I can see yeah. how it's going in a direction that's got to improve what it currently is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah good. So we've only he's only talked so far about how what institutions can do to yeah. really fund this because that they probably do need to be the driver behind it. But they have to be backed up by funders and also by journals. Mm. So they're saying that funders should follow these changes in um, publication counts and not caring about publication counts but caring firstly maybe about the rule of five but they also maybe shouldn't give grants unless someone passes their research culture review or, or, or if their students aren't passing their research integrity courses and things like this yeah um, or if the students aren't finishing on time and things like that perhaps yeah. it doesn't mention that particularly so he one of the things was he doesn't care about people finishing on time anymore he cares okay. about the quality of the student that comes out sure so it may take someone two years and be like i'm a natural born scientist but yeah. then it may take someone else five years six years because they need that amount of time to become a scientist mm. but then the last two years of their phd they're not getting paid yeah Oh, that would be fun. If you could prove that you're an awesome scientist, you could still get your, your full scholarship, but you get it all in like, you get a bonus, so to speak. <laughs> so you get like 120 grand free. So, can, can I momentarily interject? Yes. I, I, I think Finky might have it round the wrong way. I think the ARC and, and funding bodies need to be the ones that start the change. They're the one that sure. gives the scientists money. Yeah. Universities are not going to change their system unless there's a strong incentive. Yeah. If you if you yeah, change the 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 way that people get funded or the the criteria, then you'll start to get meaningful change. I don't think it can be around the other way. Well, yeah, in my sure. opinion, anyway. No, that makes sense to me. If they start, then the institutions are more likely to follow. The institutions aren't going to do this on their own no. unless there's an incentive. Well, they don't really have any power, but if the funders say we're not giving you money unless Unless XYZ. these are the rules that you have to follow and your scientists have to meet these criteria, then then they'll follow and then they might even change, you know, how they do promotion and things like that. So you're telling me, even someone like me with, I got 13 papers now, I don't even know, but I just need to choose the top five. If you've yeah. got five exceptional papers, why not? And I could apply for grants. Yep. Fuck yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just applied across. Well, have you uh, also passed your research integrity training? And um, yeah, it was boring as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but the five in five years also means that people might actually take their time doing experiments. It takes yeah. pressure off. I have to get this paper out in two months. I have to get this paper out in six months. They might actually spend some time and produce better quality work. Yeah, and the replication crisis might diminish. Yeah, boom. So the final thing is the role of journals. So he's saying that journals should shift from being knowledge distributors to being knowledge custodians. Mm. What does that mean? So he says custodians do not publish and forget. So this okay. is kind of coming back to our guide. Ergi. No, yes, our guide. You're right. Our guide's discussion or, or what our guide thought of was that if someone, if a cited, if I cite a retracted paper, it, the journal should tell me sure. that that paper's. Hang on a minute. You know that that's actually retracted because it's quite difficult to find out if a paper's retracted. And also, if you like, mm. all I would hate to go back through every year and look at all the citations I've ever done in my fourteen papers, and then have a look to see how or if it's changed because mm. that's the only way to do it at the moment, right? That was that would be the only way to. I can't think of any automated process. I'm sure there's you could write a script for it or something. But anyway, yes, it would be a massive pain in the ass. So, and then also if, if a paper happens to be retracted, it shouldn't just disappear, mm. but it should be like completely documented. Like quarantine section. Yeah, why it's like clearly that it's retracted, but why yeah. it's retracted and, and yeah. other things like this. Um, just to say that they've got to have an active role throughout the whole life of a, of a journal once it's being published yeah. or an article once it's being published. Yeah. Um. And so this is something that some open science-based things are already doing. Great. Um, but I don't know any more details than that. Yeah. Mm. I, someone, I was on Twitter the other day, someone was saying, um, why are we even bothering to publish in journals anymore? When Is it ARC? ARC? Archive. Archive. Yeah, yeah that's They're very like, popular now. Why are we not just doing this? I, I yeah. didn't really have a good answer for it. Other than prestige, prestige, yeah. Well, I mean, it, it gets around. It, it, they're not peer reviewed, so Aren't that's basically community reviewed. Isn't that part of the part of the process? Is that most people use them at the moment? Simply, you get to get the work out there before. I mean, it, that work will be submitted to a journal somewhere, guaranteed. Right. Most of the but time, but it's just like a holding zone for potential. So papers. our the last paper we did with John Sader. Um, on the, cali the global, global calibration, calibration initiative. initiative. He put it on the, the physics archive yep. and it, it got picked up by Nature Nanotechnology as a research highlight before it was even reviewed. Yeah, right. So it does have some value for that. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's not peer-reviewed at that stage. Yeah. But, I mean, I there, are, there are problems with peer review. There's a lot of people oh, saying yeah. there are problems with that whole process. But it's not community-reviewed in the same way Reddit comments not are. That I, not, the ones I've looked at, I haven't seen any comments coming up okay. or anything like That's that. I mean, you can make comments on papers. I know, Shmoopy, you made a couple of comments on some articles. This is but rubbish. But not, not an archive. But yeah, I made a you comment made some comments on that on a, um, Nature Scientific Reports. Yeah. Uh -oh. yeah. Has that gotten Good. any feedback? Nothing come no. back from Good, that? that was a, a oh, this has been on the podcast, Andy. Yeah, that was a pointed comment. It was basically, some, yeah. I yeah. pointed out that the whole paper... Is rubbish. Right. Yeah. Um, no, nothing. And bad. based on a tip artifact, basically. Delete. Oh, that's right. Yes. You sent, mm. uh, someone sent so, through that. 
paper or did you did you find it Someone i sent found through. it okay. yeah and all they show is triangles which is yeah. a common thing that you see when you're yeah doing afm doing afm wrong yeah yep or not yep. maybe not wrong but with a damaged tip yep. yeah yep, yep. yeah uh, how, how do we get back on that oh open science open so science. I, there are some which are community reviewed yeah a lot of people are afraid of community review because they kind of feel like it's going to bring out like the you know the the hitler in the in the people and yeah, the but well, it's just going to cause it because the 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 tone will turn to one of one upmanship and yes. like outrage. So how is it? How has it worked out on social media? Not yeah, very not well. Great. Not very well, yeah. I'd say. Brings yeah. out the absolute worst in people. So the conversation, the mm. university-based uh, news outlet, yeah. online news outlet, which I published a few things on. I had one popular one, and they got lots of comments. Yeah. And I said somewhere in there that magnesium, I can't remember the exact, something like magnesium is more abundant than sodium. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Someone wrote, wrote on the comment, how can you possibly say that magnesium is more abundant than sodium? Mm. <clears throat> um, Pretty easily. I can't believe the rest of this paper because of because what you of said. Because of that one. <laughs> like that. Uh. And so I looked up where what I... I got my thing from and magnesium, so I can't remember the exact words, but um, the point's the same. Magnesium is more abundant than sodium in the universe, but not on earth. Okay. Right. Okay. 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 This, this okay. person so, is like, why are you not including the universe in this? But the idea that, that you make one small possible error. Yeah, and people pick on and that. Therefore and therefore the entire substance of what you're saying, therefore, that is... A classic human so, psychological problem yeah. that we so, keep encountering. So the comments on that article really got to me. Right? That made me hard remember. to write another one. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Were you, what did you say you were? You weren't trolled, but you would. They weren't supportive, and they were just nitpicking. Very a lot of nitpicking. Yeah. And I got direct emails to me. I got phone calls. <gasps> oh um, really? I didn't realize you got phone calls yeah. as well. Doxed. Like being, like being mad at you. Uh, I got one phone call. Someone asked me why I didn't put in a, another kind of battery in my article. Okay. Because yeah. he uses them all the time and they're great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Thanks very much. Should have done that in an email. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> really? This is a ring, ring, ring. Are you fucking serious? You're a d- I think the internet so, has shown some of the problems with human psychology. No, you know what? You, you know what shows humans at their worst? No, you're wrong. No, what? you. <laughs> what? Toilet cubicles. That's what happens when people are alone and they know they're not being filmed. They smear shit on the walls. They uh, write horrible things about mums. Open source lavatories. Yeah, that's right. This is what this will become. (laughs) Each paper will just become an anonymous shit smearing. I suppose, yeah. That's where it could all end up. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, like, I would still like that better than review. Or we have completely open review. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. it, like, I can't just comment on anyone's paper. I have to be asked to comment on it. Okay. But my comments are open. Yeah. And that will make me work harder on it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That would yep. be good if there. Yep. I only had to do that for five papers a year, mm. maybe. But it's just not possible when there's 1.6 million papers a year. Mm. Um, but if we go for quantity over quality, maybe there will be a time where it's possible. Yeah. Or quality over quantity. Um, all right, Finkel ends with saying thanks. people respond to incentives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, change will only come 
when grants and promotions are contingent on best practice. And they just got to set up what this best practice means because there's problems with what best practice is at the moment. Mm. Yeah, I think, I mean, incentives, it all comes down to incentives. People yeah. are not naturally going to do the good thing. You've got yeah. to either carrot or stick. Something has to be there. I think there's some great ideas in there. We've obviously yeah, seen yeah. some areas where we don't see how to implement them. Yeah. Or like especially the institutional training. And he's got some holes. But he's starting, <laughs> he's starting a conversation. That's the important well, thing. Well, that's the thing. He's, he's using his position of power for good. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it, yeah, like we can tear down some of the ideas, but at least he's he's talking about it. Yeah. 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 Great. Well done, everyone. Thank you. Music is provided by the awesome Adelaide-based band Voice Rom. Go check out their stuff on their Bandcamp website. Also, remember to subscribe to us on your favourite podcast app, like our Facebook page, join in the forum, animad.net, and leave us a review on wherever you get this podcast because that helps us a load. Cameron, sponsor for the week. You were just listening to Published Perishable Podcast and I was brought to you this week by our future sponsor, IMC 2021. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. And we do want money for that. Fun of our (laughs) else. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.